You're listening to a University of Warwick podcast. For more information on the university, please visit warwick.ac.uk. Doug Miller is founder chairman of both the European Venture Philanthropy Association and the Asian Venture Philanthropy Network. Together, these associations have over 340 members in 40 countries. He has been a personal startup investor in a number of venture philanthropy funds in the UK, Japan, Hong Kong, Estonia and India. He also has direct social investment in the UK and Mozambique. In July 2014, Miller received an honorary Doctor of Laws from the University of Warwick. Here he is speaking to GB Jenkins. Doug, welcome and thank you for joining us. My pleasure to be here. Firstly, what are you currently working on? Uh, I'm working on the global rollout of the venture philanthropy concept. and presently, we've gotten to a stage where we've got regional organizations in uh, Europe called the European Venture Philanthropy Association. Uh, that's headquartered in Brussels. And we have another uh, sister organization called the Asian Venture Philanthropy Network, which is headquartered in Singapore. And our mission basically is to uh, act as a catalyst and facilitator to bring financial, human, and intellectual capital. Uh, and there's literally uh, bountiful supplies of that in the world, uh, but there's no easy way to uh, find and transmit that to uh, well-deserving uh, nonprofits and social enterprises. So we are tasked with building the ecosystem. Uh, it's a, a big idea that has uh, was originated by myself and four other friends in uh, 2004. So we're celebrating our 10th year. And so far, uh, it was a war membership organization. Uh, we've attracted over 340 members across 40 different countries. And that ranges from uh, foundations, uh, high net worth uh, families, uh, corporations, uh, universities. Uh, Warwick is actually a member. Uh, professional service firms such as lawyers, accountants, strategy, uh, strategic managers. And then ultimately, and and this is the big win, uh, getting government uh, engagement because at the end of the day, governments are responsible for both policy matters and they're the the biggest funders of social causes. So, So we're trying to address social causes and that could be children, education, old people, recidivism, environment. Uh, economic uh, empowerment, uh, human trafficking, etc. So uh, the the list of causes actually runs into the hundreds, uh, but we're trying to mobilize the financial, human, intellectual capital to to address that. You mentioned um, the EVPA and the AVPN there. Um, what did you hope to achieve when you established these organizations, and have you achieved that? And has anything happened that surprised you? Well. Uh, the EVPA and AVPN are the first two steps of a five-step plan, and uh, people do laugh uh, or, or raise their eyebrows, perhaps, when I when I say this. But uh, we're trying to uh, effect the evolution of the way philanthropy is practiced, and we intend to roll out in Africa, Latin America, Middle East uh, over the next ten years. So at that time, we will have been in existence for uh, over 20 years. And uh, my age is advancing rapidly, so I may or may not be engaged in, in all of that time. Uh, the surprise actually was a uh, an upside surprise, 
which is we started this as a concept and a vision, and we didn't know how long it would take to gain traction. But the fact is, is that uh, everybody in society has some social issue. For some people, it's social issue in children. For some, it's old people. For some, it's environment. But everyone, everyone from the very richest to the very poorest has an issue. And then the question comes is how can you translate what's in your heart into practical action? And our job and the way we express it is if you have the want to, we can help with the how to. So we have around 20 staff in these two headquarters locations, but we travel extensively, and I travel about 150 days a year. I have a very understanding family, uh, and uh, so the surprise has been on the has been on the upside. On the other hand, uh, and I gave a speech uh, in May at our second annual conference, and we had 400 people from uh, 29 different countries. And this, this was in Singapore. But I said, because everybody was saying how much we'd achieved, and I said, you know, to be frank, uh, we're just scratching the surface. So uh, these problems are huge. Uh, when people say that they've so they're solving the problems, uh, that's naive. Uh, you don't solve them, you influence them. Uh, and, uh, uh, but, you know, if you don't get engaged, uh, uh, you're missing tremendous opportunity. So. Uh, that's that's where we are in my I, I refer to it publicly as a 50-year plan and privately I know it's a hundred or two hundred year plan there's a question we've asked all of our honorary graduates and that's what makes you happy I've had a, a wonderful life that I didn't even dream of when I was growing up because I grew up in a, uh, a small town in the middle of the uh, United States and had never been on an airplane till I was 22 years old and drafted into the Army. That was my first uh, experience on an airplane. And uh, I'm not a, a, a greatly religious person uh, per se, but I actually get up in the morning and I say, you know, thank God for giving me another day to do this. And so what makes me the happiest is when I can see progress in rolling out these uh, new organizations, and obviously I've got two grandchildren. The youngest is uh, now uh, about uh, six weeks old, and they make me happy. My wife makes me happy, uh, but uh, you know I don't play golf anymore. I don't, uh, you know, I I work to achieve, and when I can see progress, that there's a lot of personal satisfaction. Warwick will be celebrating its 50th anniversary next year, and. We're going to celebrate our success, but we're going to look forward as well. So with that in mind, what do you think the opportunities and the challenges are over the next five decades? Well, in my particular sphere, which is around uh, philanthropy and addressing social issues, uh, I think the social issues uh, are going to grow. Uh, now, we're working to try to uh, ameliorate, if that's the proper word, uh, I know the English and Americans speak differently, but uh, having lived here for 32 years, I recognize the difference. But uh, if you take environmental issues, uh, the environment globally is uh, worse today uh, than it was uh, 50 years ago. And since these cycles are very long, it's likely to be 
uh, worse 50 years from now. Uh, although there's much progress being made in terms of, uh, of uh, clean energy and this and that, but those are, are long cycles. Uh, I think water conservation is going to be a huge issue in some parts of the world. I think caring for the uh, elderly, uh, aging populations uh, globally, uh, Japan and uh, China, surprisingly, uh, both have uh, issues like that. I think employment for young people uh, is also an issue because with the magnificent uh, advances in computerization and use of robots and, and this and that, uh, uh, you have to have uh, quite uh, good skill sets to uh, uh, find uh, worthwhile employment. I also think the labor market is globalized, so the people in the U.S. and the U.K. and all over Europe are actually in many cases competing against uh, labor from uh, countries where, you know, a job where somebody can earn uh, 5000 a year puts them in, in the middle class. Uh, and uh, with fiber optic and satellite communication, that's perfectly feasible. So, uh, I mean, you know, the list is, is endless, and uh, I'm not pessimistic. Uh, I, I believe that there are committed people who are working on solutions, and some of those will be technological solutions, some of those will be cultural solutions. I, I believe uh, the 800-pound gorilla is that uh, the debt obligations that many countries have, which are not on the balance sheet uh, in terms of health care, in terms of uh, other forward commitments that have been made, are going to be a large burden for the younger generation, people your age and younger. And uh, I don't think the politicians are being uh, uh, particularly truthful with the uh, uh, society as a whole, and that's not a political statement for either the left or the right. That's just, a, uh, um, in my view, an economic fact. So I could go on, but I've probably given you enough and gotten myself in enough trouble. So, <laughs> Thank you. And finally, um, you graduated today. Congratulations um, with an honorary doctorate. Um, what words of wisdom did you share with your fellow graduates? Uh, I was told to speak in less than five minutes and preferably three. Uh, so I had 20 words of wisdom I would have liked to share. And uh, I, in fact, picked two. Uh, one that I think is the most important is uh, uh, reject can't. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, as a young child, you're told you can't do this. As a teenager, you're told you can't do this. And, and people internalize and the worst thing that can happen to a person is they see a problem, they, they, uh, something goes wrong with their life, or they see an opportunity. And they say, I can't. I, and, and some people call that self-esteem, uh, not having enough self-esteem. But uh, I believe, uh, so that I phrased it, reject can't, and whenever you think uh, I can't, instead think opportunity. And... Uh, that came to me probably at the age of 22 or 24, and uh, I believe that the success that I've achieved, which is not particularly uh, remarkable, although they made it sound like it, uh, is due to the fact that uh, when anybody says can't, uh, 
Uh, I view that as a red flag in front of the bull. And I think that you can find a way. And I was very complimentary towards uh, Warwick because, in fact, when Warwick was, uh, you're celebrating her 50th anniversary, but the idea probably occurred to somebody, you know, five or 10 years before that. And probably everybody said, well, you know, we can't do that. We don't have the money. We don't have the land. We don't have the mandate. Uh, we've got universities nearby that are a thousand years old. Uh, you know, how are we going to attract people? And here we are today. And uh, so if you reject Kant, you can make it happen. The second one was uh, when you graduate, uh, you know, you're a pretty junior person and you go out in, in whatever field in architecture or law or medicine, uh, you generally have a boss. And uh, you think, well, if I work hard and I'm persistent and I'm a team player and all of that, uh, I'll get ahead. And the answer uh, to that is, is yes. But if you really want to get ahead, you have to figure out what is your boss's biggest problem. And once you can identify that, then you want to become a problem solver. And so uh, my whole career, I've been a problem solver. And if you're a problem solver, you are uh, going to be promoted faster, uh, you're most likely to be the last person uh, let off. So those were the two things, and obviously I could go on and on. But uh, I think if people follow those two things, uh, they'll be successful. And, and you know, it was very inspiring to see the uh, young people. And, uh, you know, my regret is, is that I, if I knew now but was their age, uh, you know, I could really... I could really ramble. <laughs> Rumble. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time, Doug. Okay. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you.